Cultivate Simple, Episode 62, Guilty Pleasures. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountainsides I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 62, and today we're talking about our guilty pleasures. That's that was creepy. creepy. <laughs> Sorry. That's not the voice that I heard in my head, but that's the voice that came out. Let me try that again. Episode 62, and today we're talking about our guilty pleasures. Is that better? I don't know. That's kind of like, you know, the sultry lady running. Uh, never mind. Um, no I've been listening to too many audiobooks lately. James Bond audiobooks. I just listened to Live and Let Die, uh, the James Bond audiobook. We like it. I'm sure that... You all know this if you've been listening or reading for any time at all, but we really like James Bond movies uh, as much for their cheese as for their yes. uh, action and, and suspense. And um, the old ones just because they're hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Old movies are great, especially old action movies and old movies like James Bond where his, you know, toys are ahead of the curve and, yeah. you know, super cool. His car phone. Yeah. Things like that. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just had the idea because obviously all the Bond, or not all of the Bond movies, I don't think, but a lot of the Bond films are based off of Ian Fleming's books. And so uh, being a listener to many, many audiobooks while I'm working and while I'm out uh, doing stuff outside, I decided to get the audiobooks from... James Bond, which is interesting because, you know, obviously with the movies, they, they sort of Hollywooded up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and listening to this one, it was, it was interesting to hear the differences between the book, obviously mm -hmm. in the, in the movie, um, and the book's always better than the movie they say. The interesting thing is I think the biggest difference I noticed is that Bond of the book's um, and obviously he's able to, the actor doesn't have to bring across these emotions. In the movies, they're a lot, um, Bond is kind of seen as this, he always has, you know, always has things in control even when mm -hmm. they're out of control. And in the books, there's a lot more explanation as to um, the thoughts that are going through his head as far as, you know, mm. oh, that was, this This is bad. I'm going to die right here. Yeah. You know, the, he's a lot more vulnerable in yeah. the books, which I think makes him more likable in some way or more human. Yeah. Because he's almost like a superhero in the mm -hmm. movies. I mean, he can do anything and, yeah. you know, especially the new ones, it's like, yeah. you know, parkour and jumping across buildings on motorcycles <laughs> and all kinds of cool stuff. But uh, yeah, in the books, it's interesting. So as I listen on, I'll let you know what happens and if that continues. This one's one of the, the f I think this was the second one um, that, the second book that Ian Fleming wrote. 
Um, so it's definitely interesting too, because there's a lot of cultural things uh, mentioned in the book that you know have obviously changed yeah. since then. Um, but that that also makes it funny. What's for dinner? Speaking what did we of, have for dinner? Speaking of guilty pleasures. We had soup. Yeah. Not really a guilty pleasure. I just thought I'd throw that in. No. <laughs> a big bowl of soup. And I made um I made it earlier this week with some of our Italian sausage that we made from our very own pigos. Mm-hmm. Um so I used a ton of sausage because we have a ton of sausage. So normally I would put one pound in a batch of soup, but I put two in this one. And then I soaked some cannellini beans, um, you know, overnight or for 36 hours, I think, and put them in there. Used some wild game bird stock from Brian's turkey. I had some in the freezer. Some white wine. Some other spices. What else? Oh, I put uh, leeks in it because I went out during the warm spell and harvested a bunch of leeks from the garden. So I put leeks in it and some... um, we didn't, none of my kale was harvestable. It kind of got knocked down pretty bad in the ice storm and it'll sprout back out in the spring, but none of it was really harvestable. So I, uh, put some artichokes in it instead. I happen to have some artichokes in the pantry and they actually turned out to be a really good addition. They're fantastic. And then we've been topping it with grid cheese and some pesto from the freezer that I made this summer with all the basil that I grew in the garden. So... All kinds of deliciousness, lots of healthy herbs and delicious pork, etc., etc. It's yes. really good. Very good stuff. We've been enjoying it. Yes, it would be better with some bread, but I haven't made bread lately, so we didn't have any bread. Mm-mm. But that's all right. Yeah. Delicious dinners. Soup's the best in the winter mm-hmm. because it, it warms you, plus with the... Uh, the sausage, you know, that it's a little bit spicy. Mm-hmm. So just, and just it's good, hearty, yeah. you know. We and like our soups kind of on the less brothy side than yeah. some people do. So there's a lot of stuff in it, vegetables and meat. And I mean, it's some broth, but not, we don't overdo it on the broth. Yeah. So, which makes it's it more filling hearty. so that it lasts a little bit longer in your digestive system. And it's nice to be able to start to eat more of the pork. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked last week about how we had pancakes and sausage. Yeah. And this week we had the... We've been eating sausage almost every day for the past, I think, three weeks. Yep. So... Which is good. Yeah. We've got like 85 pounds of sausage to eat up, so... (laughs) We've got plenty. (laughs) Oh, we've eaten six pounds in the last three weeks. So that means we're down to... uh, 79 pounds of sausage that to eat up. we're down to, we still have a lot to eat. I think we gave some away, so we're probably down to 70. So. Anyways. Anyways, that's, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was looking at something on the computer screen here. And uh, that brings us on to Brian's Geeky Corner. I thought up of one this week. You know, I'm only so much of a geek, so I only have so many of these tips. Um, <laughs> but uh, one that I use all the time, again, and just never think about. But then as I was putting some notes in the show notes tonight, um, I started to think about it, is shortcut keys on your keyboard. And I'm always harping on Susie about this. You know, she'll say, she'll ask how to do something, or I'll be watching over her shoulder as she's doing something because something's not working correctly, and I'll, you know, tell her the shortcut key to perform the action that she's looking for in the menu. Um, So the easiest way to learn shortcut keys 
And if you don't know what a shortcut key is, it is a uh, keystroke or um, a combination of keys on the keyboard that when pressed in certain programs will perform an action. So you don't have to switch, take your hand off the keyboard, move it over to the mouse, move the mouse around the screen trying to figure out what you want to do. Um, and these are the, the most common combination is using the control key. Um, on a Windows machine and the command key or the Apple key, it's sometimes called on, on a, on a Mac. Um, and there are just hundreds of these things. So the easiest way mm-hmm. to find out what they are is if you do look in the menu, um, such as under file, uh, if you're in like pretty much any program has the mm-hmm. file menu. Um, a lot of times open is command O and it, just if you're on a Windows machine, whenever I say command, just substitute the word control. Uh, command <laughs> O, uh, command P is usually print. So if you want to get to your print menu, you can do that quickly. Um, copy and paste, command C and command V. Those are probably the best ones. I use those all the time mm-hmm. and save. I get in the habit of hitting command save. Command S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Save because that's what I know it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hitting that frequently when I'm working in something, even though the computer auto saves, it's still, mm. it's one of those things I started doing way back when in the day when I was working in a Windows machine that didn't auto save things. Mm. Um, and I just kind of still do it, even though my computer auto saves, I think. Yeah. So, um. Command A in most programs is select all. So if you're trying to select a big group of text, just hit Command A and you can select it all. Command Z is usually undo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one because if you have yeah. to undo a bunch of things, go into the menu, edit, undo, edit, undo, edit, undo, edit, undo. You know, can get a little <laughs> yeah. monotonous. But if you just Command Z, and if you hold down on on these shortcut keys too, if you hold down the controller, the Command key, and then you can just continue to press the the keys that you need. So so, you know, if you command and paste. command O and then command C and then command V and then command P, you know, you can run through a lot of things very quickly. Um, the neat thing is there are programs out there. And if you just do um, shortcut key program Windows or shortcut key program Mac, there are actually programs that you can program your own shortcut keys. So if you're the, the only thing you have to watch with this is if um, you're in a program that has a lot of shortcut keys, a lot of times they can conflict and it might cause some weird behavior. But um, for many commands that don't have shortcut keys within a program, you can set up your own uh, using one of these programs. And a lot of times the programs are free. Um, so that's that's my tip for the night. It's a great time-saving technique, especially if you do um, a lot of word processing, even selecting um you know, selecting text, because that's what I was doing tonight that reminded me of it. Holding down, um, on again, on the Mac, holding down the command key and using your cursor key, uh, cursor keys to go forward and backward um, to just navigate your cursor around the screen. And then if you hold down the shift key while you're doing that um, and the command key, that'll select the whole line of text. Mm-hmm. Or if you hold down... <clears throat> The command key and the uh, uh, is it command. I'm, tr- I'm doing it here. No, it's shift and alt. That'll select one word at a time. So you know, I I those are so automatic to me. I don't even think about what the buttons I'm pressing. I just know my. It's just muscle memory now. Um, but yeah, shortcut keys and. 
uh, just look, you know, if you do a Google search for shortcut keys, you'll just find lists mm-hmm. of them that are common. But a lot of times they're they're program specific. So my favorite is Shift Command Four. Yeah, on the Mac, the screenshot on the Mac. So whenever I'm, I use it all the time. Whenever I'm ordering something from somewhere, I always take a screenshot of my shopping cart. Um, particularly, especially if I'm not gonna order right then if I'm still looking for products or going through my pantry or trying to remember a product that I needed because sometimes things delete everything in your shopping cart which can be annoying um yeah I use that one all the time yep that's the one that gives you the crosshair so you can select and then you select whatever you want to take a screenshot yeah because shift command three takes a screenshot of the whole screen Mm -hmm. and then that saves that to your desktop so that's that's kind of a double geeky tip tonight Susie's geeky corner yeah look at that that brings us to around the run. Mm. We thought it was spring, but it's really not. But then winter came back. Yeah, winter we're having came a do over winter. Slapped us in the face today with four inches of snow, which is good. We needed the snow because I was worried that it was going to get cold because it's supposed to get down into the negatives again le- next week or this coming week. And I was worried that I was going to have to go out and start hauling pine boughs to wrap around all of my boxwoods, but we got some nice snow so that won't be necessary we knew winter wasn't over i mean Mm -hmm. that's that was obvious but it's i I just took tara out before the podcast tonight Mm -hmm. um for a a bit of a walk and uh she i mean it's cold out there yeah you know and she even started she started blowing out her coat and just like chunks of hair were falling off of her because it was so warm so she'll probably be out there shivering. Although she's got enough hair to be fine, <laughs> yeah, I think. She she's <laughs> that dog. She can... was woolly though. Yeah. Her her mane was quite yeah. thick and lush. Now I wish it was like the loaves and the fishes. There's enough Terra hair down there that we yeah. could get another livestock guardian dog. Yeah. Or make a sweater. Yeah. One of the two. I'm actually gonna pick it all up and go down and dump it down below the chicken coop i figure it smells like her and it'll help keep foxes and stuff away any kind of deterrent i mean she goes down there and walks around and everything but it's got to be a good deterrent so this week this past week it was in the 60s and now this coming week um the lows are going to be in the negatives so big change but we got a, a few inches of snow today which we are actually happy about because it makes things pretty and protects uh plants in the ground um and this week we uh cut down some more trees for firewood yeah had some nasty gnarly uh trees that we we took down uh, a cherry a maple and a yellow birch which i love yellow birch yeah I, the, the the wood whenever i split that the wood is just absolutely beautiful the green and it's got kind of this iridescent property to it mm-hmm. it's just i love it i want to make a table or something out Plus of it it's warm it yeah. produces some heat yeah it's i, I believe like to, when it's really cold outside and i'm loading in the wood burner i always try to find some yellow birch to throw in there because i know it just burns nice and hot i think it has one of the highest btu values of all the woods um i think it's even higher than like red oak and and others. I mean, it's a hard, it's a dense wood. Mm-hmm. Those those rounds that I have out there are heavy. Yeah. Because they were down, there's, uh, at the bottom of our hill out in front of our house, there's actually the original, the foundation to the original homestead um, from about 100 years ago. 
and it's just stacked stone. And this yellow birch actually grew out of the middle of that. So when I cut it down, it laid across what used to be the the root mm-hmm. cellar. And uh, so I'm, you know, as I cut the chunks, they fell six feet down. So I had to crawl down in there and then <laughs> heave them out. And there, it was it was a job. Um, we also went looking at pigs. Yep, yesterday morning. Planning out now that we're getting to the point of remembering all the fun things about the pigs and not just all the work and slaughter. Yeah. Uh, we decided to go check out. We The pigs that we got last year, we actually got from uh, quite a ways away. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking for a place to get them locally. And Susie sort of stumbled upon um, a local farmer, which we then saw uh, her at the Common Ground Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you've been in talks with her and what what kind of pigs are you looking to get um we are gonna get for us a red wattle large black guinea hog mix so it's they're a third each and it was interesting to talk to her because she likes the large black or she does red wattle over large black so it's a red wattle boar large black sows because the large black is a, it's a big pig. It has a long back, so it produces a lot of bacon. They're kind of a good meat pig, but they don't have as much lard um, because they're not, I mean, they're, they're like a, a meat pig. They're not a lard pig. Um, so she threw some guinea hog in there to try to increase the lard mm-hmm. and the fat, um, the amount of fat on the pig so that the meat wasn't quite as lean. You know, lean is kind of one of the things that was bred for... The modern consumer. Kind of. The modern consumer wanted a little more lean, but there are a lot of consumers. I mean, lard hogs used to be the way what everybody wanted because lard was so valuable. So she's trying to do that, which we do like the lard. I like using lard. It's, you know, a really good fat to use in the kitchen. Um, Really healthy fat, especially if it's a pastured pig. So um, I was more than happy to to try one of those because I think that'll be a really interesting mix. And the guinea hogs are also a lot more feed efficient. Um, from what I've read and what she was talking about, she said they really are. Um, so it should grow really well. Uh, it should be more efficient. I mean, that should add a good genes to the pig that we're getting as well, uh, so that they can utilize more of what they eat and turn it into pork. So they're also really good foragers. They do a great job of foraging for their own foodstuffs out mm-hmm. in the woods and then the red wattle is also a really good forager as far as woodland forage is concerned and the large blacks are really good on pasture they have a tendency to not root up as much um so we're gonna try we want to try putting them on our back pasture and see how they do see if because like, i don't want that rooted up which mm-hmm. is why we didn't really put the pigs there last year because our pigs were rooters um so if they they're not they prove to be good pasture pigs, then I'll put them back there so they can kind of mow the pasture a little bit. And then we'll move them into the woods too um, sometimes. The large blacks are also nice. These darker pigs, because you don't have to worry so much either about them getting sunburnt. Last year, our pigs were like white and pink with, with some spots. So we had to worry about making sure we provided a lot of shade for them. And they didn't mm-hmm. really like to be out a lot when it was um, sunny. But you don't have to worry so much with these darker breeds of pigs because they don't sunburn in their skin you know deals with the sun a little bit better and then the, the large black as well are super friendly pigs um they're about as docile as you can get from my studies and from what she was saying which is one of the reasons she really likes them mm-hmm. um so they should that should add some good niceties 
I think that we had, there was some large black in the pigs that we got last year. Our pigs were super docile and mm-hmm. pretty much, I mean, as far as what I've read about large blacks, they kind of had that personality. Um, and we got these because they were recommended as really great personality, mm-hmm. you know, easy to manage pigs. So, yeah. and, and she was talking yesterday too about um, becoming very social with your pigs mm-hmm. to yeah. get them used to you so that it's easy to, uh, you manage know, move them, them. And move them yeah. and get them, you know, get them to come when you want them to and that kind of thing. She said she even had her boar trained that if he's by himself, you know, obviously when there's competition for the food, she can't do this, but she had her boar trained that when she would go out to feed him, that she wouldn't feed him until he stepped back until Mm -hmm. he backed up. Um, which is really interesting. And she had a a really good thing to teach them, I think. Um, but she said it's really hard when there are multiple pigs because she was showing us a little piglet too, that she was training to sit, um, on command for a treat and which pigs are super smart and you can train them to do tricks but the problem becomes when there are multiple ones around and there's competition you know particularly for food right. that kind of thing so that's when it becomes kind of difficult i suppose you could try to separate them somehow and work with one um but yeah so it was really interesting mm-hmm. and she's right up the road from us i mean mm-hmm. she's literally uh, 10 miles up the road so yeah. um it's pretty yeah, exciting she has to be a passion to... for the heritage breeds and you know really likes them and she um she ended up with a pair of red wattles that uh were just too mean so she ended up getting rid of them and getting some that were uh more docile and more you know tame since she she works really closely with the pigs mm-hmm. and then she sells piglets to places and didn't want to be producing pigs with not the nicest tendencies. Yeah, she so. actually produces pigs for some really good restaurants around mm-hmm. the area. Um, and her setup is really nice, too. I, her fences that she has are just Those are the kind great. of fences, yeah, I'd like to get around her main yeah. pasture in the back. And it's really nice to see, too, when you go there, that she you can tell that she loves her pigs, mm-hmm. which is really great to see. And her pigs all have really big areas the, to roam around it and to forage and to, you know, do what pigs like to do. And they yeah. have space to get away from one another. And um, so that was kind of nice that they all had, you know, really, they weren't pretty shelters, but they were, you know, warm, dry shelters yeah. and all had lots of space to move around. So that was kind of great to see. I know we took a, a friend with us who also does pigs every year um, because she said the place she got her piglets from last year, they found the ad on, I think, Craigslist. And then when they, you know, they called the guy, sent in their deposit for the pigs. And when they went up to pick up their pigs, they were mortified <laughs> at the conditions yeah. that the pigs were living in and said, essentially, it was like a, um, like a puppy mill, but for piglets. And yeah. they said they just hated it and it just felt terrible. Um, so that's kind of she went with us and if they're going to do pigs, they're going to get them from her too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it's kind of nice to see and to be able to support those kinds of farmers while her piglets are more expensive than I would pay from like the puppy mill place. When you're buying a piglet, all the books say you need to buy the best one that you can buy because it's going to be healthier and it's going to, you know, put on weight better. And, you know, particularly Mm -hmm. you can tell the way she breeds that she's very, She's one-on-one with her pigs and she knows, I mean, she's breeding specifically for good quality. So, you know, you're going to get good pigs. So that's kind of nice too. 
So the next thing was uh, last night we did uh, candle pin bowling, which yeah, if you did. don't know, if you're not from the New England area, you probably don't know what that is. But if you uh, look it up on YouTube, you can see it. Basically, it's like 10 pin bowling, only with uh, straighter, smaller pins. Yeah. You get three balls, and they're uh, little balls. for each frame, and they're, and they're a little bit smaller. Yeah. They're so, kind of yeah. like a bocce ball. Yeah. So we did that last night. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So check out Candle Pin Bowling. I just wanted to mention it because it's one of those things that I had never heard of yeah. until we moved up here. Yeah. Um, so have have any of you ever heard of Candle Pin Bowling? You know, I'm sure all of our New England New friends. Englanders yeah. be like, yeah. 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 Um, today, I fell off a chair. <laughs> that wasn't fun. A bookshelf fell on top of you and then you fell off a chair. Yeah. It was very much like a movie, you know, where there there's a fight scene and they're running to the warehouse and they push a bookshelf over on somebody. <laughs> yeah, that was me pushing a bookshelf on myself. Um we're getting ready to paint our bedroom and so we were, you know, patching holes in the walls and taking things off and the people that owned our house before had kind of an obsession with bookshelves. Because they're very badly built bookshelves. They're everywhere. That were Attached to the walls with far too many yeah. nail screws, anchors, and pretty much anything else they could find to attach it to the wall. The moral of this story is use the right equipment. Because had I been on the little stepladder that we have, uh, I probably would have been okay. But I was standing on a chair. A folding chair, no a less. A folding chair, no less. And which did fold when I fell off of it. <laughs> um, and I... I thought there was one more fastener to holding the the bookshelf, uh, but when I pulled this nail um, out of the the back of the the shelf, that was it, and it started coming. And basically, the it knocked me backwards, which knocked me into the back of the chair, which then sent me to the floor. Um, I'm okay. I'll I'll see what I feel like in the morning, but <laughs> just right now, my my elbow hurts. Uh, and it's kind of getting stiff now that I'm not moving around and we quit working for the day. But uh, it's a little bruised. We'll see what happens. So use use the right equipment when you're doing home improvement projects. That's the moral of the story. I always say it's like with uh, wearing gloves. I wear gloves whenever I do any kind of work. And it's because if I don't, I will cut my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate having cuts on my hands because it always seems like... You know, when you have a cut on your hand, no matter how much you try to avoid it, you're always hitting it. Um, and I found out today that that's the same with elbows because I went out to move our cars to <laughs> plow the driveway and nailed my elbow getting out of one of the cars. And oh my gosh, I it literally took my breath away. It hurt so bad. Um, finally, around the run, it's a long around the run segment. We had a lot it happen is. this week, though. A lot of interesting stuff. Big D caught a mouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the house. This is the first one we've had in the house, which is actually kind of amazing because this house is anything but, you know. Tight. <laughs> at least in the basement. I mean, right. we've got a built code door and it just has like a piece of plywood that slides over it and no ceiling whatsoever. Yeah. But yeah, Big D caught a mouse. It was up there eating some of the grain that I've got sitting by the wood burner fermenting for the chickens. So. And now he's completely passed out on the floor. He had a good time playing with it and flipping it around for about 20 minutes. The big fear whenever, I mean, we haven't had it happen much at this house. We had it happen once or twice at the old house. But the big fear whenever they catch a rodent like that is that they're just going to drop it and let it run away. Yeah. <laughs> he seems pretty good about that. Yeah. He seems that one was dead. It was like an instant kill. Mm-hmm. But we had our old cat seem to catch them but then not kill them and then 
No, they're not any more fun when they're dead. That's true. They're fun when they're Dexter did bring a live chipmunk in once, I think. Yeah. But he brought it in, I think, for the indoor cats to kill and finish off. Yeah. So that was a little yeah. bit of excitement this evening. Big D playing with his mouse. Working, working animals. Working animals. These other cats are kind of useless, but they they just come and lay on our laps as we're watching TV. Yeah. So that Big D, Big D pulls his <laughs> Big weight. Big D actually does does what he's supposed to be doing. Good boy. He's just passed out over there. That brings us on to the listener questions. Last week mm-hmm. we talked about fermenting food for the flock, uh, fermenting um, the chicken food and the duck food, the guinea food, which is all the same food. But yeah. um, And that was actually one of the questions. We had a lot right. of questions that came through in the comments, and so we wanted to run through some of those real quick before we get on to uh, right. the topic for this evening. Um, so why don't you... Yeah, Melissa says, uh, thank you for, so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Do you, you, do you do the same fermenting process for your ducks? Do you think feeding the same ratios of wheat and oats would work for them? No chickens here, but I'm very interested in using the same techniques for my ducks. And the answer is yes, you can use the same... Um, I use the, I mean, my birds all get the same thing. So I mix up one big batch of feed and everybody gets it, which means that everybody's getting the same uh, wheat and oat ratio. Now the ducks, however, they actually do okay on a lower protein feed. At least mine do. I mean, I, when the ducklings are little, I often do just oats with the ducks. Um, I mean, they, they forage as well. So they're not eating just 100% oats. Um, but the ducks, yeah, don't seem to need quite as much protein as like the laying hens do. So, but I use the same ratio because I'm feeding everybody the same. So, that's what I'd recommend. There you Doing go. That. Yeah. And then we have Ben and Rita who are, hold on, let me look at the, they're from Little Carrie's Acres. Um, they've got a little farm. Maybe not little, but they've got a farm. And they said, we've tried fermenting grain for our chickens and pigs, get it, but it got mold on top of the water. I skimmed off the mold and fed the grain anyway because it smelled okay. Do you have any suggestions to prevent the mold forming on the top? Um, and I've never really had any issue with mold forming on the top. I'm not sure. It might be more of a yeast thing than a mold thing. Um, if you've ever made sauerkraut or fermented pickles and you have an open container, it's like that white bloom that gets on the top. And it's not necessarily mold. It's more of a yeast bloom. So it might just be a yeast bloom that you have as opposed to a mold. But it's perfectly fine as long as you keep the level of water a couple inches above the grain to skim that off um, because that's the barrier. So the mold's going to be on top of the water and not on the grains um, if you do get any mold. I just do mine in a container, and I have a uh, not a tight-fitting lid, but a lid that I lay over it. And I don't, I don't, I haven't had any trouble with that. But it it probably depends on the grain that you're getting and what's in the grain, what kind of yeasts are in it, that kind of thing. So it seemed like um, a lot of people talked about that about because um, there were a couple of people that mentioned mm-hmm. getting mold. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, and I, like I said, it might not be mold; right, it might be yeah. a yeast bloom. Yeah. Um, if it's like a white kind of stuff, then it's more of a yeast bloom than it is necessarily a mold and sometimes you'll get some greenish kind of mold or something on top of that and you can just skim that off that's really not you know it's really not a big deal mm-hmm. was that all of them um let me look around a little look down a little bit sorry i should have been looking ahead but yeah but you i'm were... too busy enjoying uh 
some of Melanie's uh, pecans yes. that she sent us. We just finished up. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that one of our listeners, Melanie from California, sent us uh, uh, some... Persimmons? Yeah, persimmons. Asian some pears, pears. Dried ones. Uh, and then some various nuts, and we finished up the dried fruit tonight after dinner, and mm-hmm. so and the the jars of nuts are sitting here. So I just started snacking on them instead of reading ahead to prepare. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm being a bad host. Mm-hmm. That's all right. So now we have Lauren who says, um, after listening to the podcast yesterday, you eased my mind about making my own feed. The recipes I've researched in the past would cost a fortune to make for twenty five plus birds. I think we'll order organic wheat notes from Azure Standard next month and try that out. I was also curious what your thoughts are on feed for chicks and meat birds. I will be pasturing 50 meat birds this spring and adding a few more dozen laying hens, guineas, and turkeys as well. I would love to stick to fermenting for them since we have seen such great results. And there are actually a lot of studies that have been done that meat birds do really well, Um, particularly younger meat birds. There's a lot less issues with mortality, especially if you're doing one of the more modern kind of meat bird hybrid birds Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot less mortality if they're being fed fermented feed and they bulk up and they end up weighing a little bit more Um, and I wish I could find the link but there's actually a blog online and I'm not sure maybe some googling could find it there's a blog online that I read um, this summer and it was a farm that did just that they they had um, I forget how many she did I think she may have done 25 on each different kind so she did 25 meat birds on a, a couple different kinds of feed. I think she did um, dry mash and then like a wet mash, you know, a feed. And then she did um, a dry like grain mix and then a fermented grain mix, I think, if I remember right. Um, and then the fermented grain ones came out the heaviest of all. And she had the least mortality hmm. rates in that group. Um, and th- I mean, that was just her right farm study not like you know a super real scientific study but as far as a small farm conditions you can probably assume that you'll get the same results but it definitely works well i fed um i fed my broilers which we had i don't forget 17 um yeah i fed them fermented feed um and as far as chicks are concerned, uh, you can still do that as well. They, I'm, I'm not sure, but the whole grains, I mean, I, I feed my ducklings right off the bat when they're, when they start eating, they're eating fermented feed. Now the chicks that I had, I had a little bit of chick starter left from, that I had in the freezer from, I think the ducks we did last year or something, mm-hmm. I can't remember, or for the guineas, it was from the guinea keats, um, and so I just used up the rest for them for like a week, and then I moved them onto fermented grain. So um, I'm sure that they would be perfectly fine. There are some people I know that just feed their chicks um, cracked corn, and the mm-hmm. chicks do fine. And you can soak that and ferment that if you're worried about it. But um, yeah, and I have in my, I'll have to look it up and maybe put a link in if I can find it. I do have a recipe on my Pinterest page for chickens that someone came up with a chick mix and it's essentially like corn, wheat, and it's only like three ingredients and they mix it up and they've raised tons of chicks on it. They actually sell chicks and it works great for them. So chicks are just as easy as the big chickens. Another question from Kendra was about the amount. Uh, The amount, she says that she 
She only has four hens, one of which is a bantam. Mm -hmm. So do you have any recommendations for a good place to start for the amount per bird? I would do, um, I think I said a cup per chicken. Try a a cup of fermented feed. So like once it's wet, like after you ferment it, try a cup per chicken and see how that works out. And then adjust as neat if they don't eat at all. Um, You cannot put out as much if they eat more. And it kind of depends too on your setup, your feeding setup in the summer. It doesn't bother me as much to put out a little extra and then they get up and just eat it the next morning. Um, I usually feed them in the summer. I feed them outside in their run. We have like an enclosed run attached to our coop and then I just throw food in there because in the summer I only feed in the evenings. I don't feed in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I try, I try in the summer to make it so that they don't get a ton of extra food and they don't have a bunch sitting around. Um, so that they're going to go out and forage during the day. In the winter, I like to feed half the feed in the morning and half the feed in the evening because, for one, it gets cold and it has a tendency to freeze because it's wetter. Now, I put mine in the winter in my coop. I have a big uh, heavy saucer that goes under a big terracotta pot, and I put that on a seedling heating mat, which just keeps it, keeps it just barely not frozen. And then I put the food in that, and that helps keep it from getting too frozen when it's 25 below though it still kind of freezes on that um but so i put out a little in the morning for them and then i put out some in the evening right before they roost up because for chickens in a cold climate it's good to give them a snack right before they roost up because then they eat and they get they have energy to keep themselves warm overnight so i do that for freezing purposes and just so that they have it encourages them to eat right before they roost up and Um, it encourages them to come back to the coop I yeah, mean, not that they need does. any encouragement for that typically, but right. it's also a good, uh, you know, everybody comes running back when they see you out there with the, with right. the pan. With the pan. Oh, yeah. Those, those, any birds here see a pan and they all come running. Um, I have this one pan that I always feed them. And then she says, you know, you don't, um, you don't, other than free ranging, but you don't have freely available dry food. And that's true. I don't, uh, I don't provide, I don't free like free choice feed my my chickens not not in the summer in the winter I do because they you know I figure they're gonna they need some extra feed to stay warm so I try to make sure that they're they always have some extra food in there mm-hmm. so that I know everybody's getting as much as they need but definitely spring summer and fall um those chickens only get what they can consume in 15 or 20 minutes in the evening before they roost up and then other than that they're out getting their own feed and that that really helps um save save on food costs and Mm -hmm. it just encourages our chickens to get out and be active and be healthy and well plus it cuts down on the bug population Mm -hmm. you know trying to take i mean that's one reason we got the guineas uh was to take care of ticks because they're known to eat ticks so Mm -hmm. we want them out there you know running around eating not sitting up in the coop lounging with their legs crossed you know just chilling yeah taking the summer off although i will say if you have trouble with hens making rogue nests so if you have your laying flock and that's one of the things you can have issues with when you free range your chickens but then you have layers they have a tendency to not want to run all the way back to the coop to lay their eggs so sometimes they'll lay rogue nests sometimes to solve that problem you can either leave them locked up later in the day which i really don't like to do because then they're not out foraging for their own feed sometimes if you leave a little bit of feed in the coop that encourages them to come back and don't leave it out in the run where all the chickens are going to get it 
but I'll take some up and put it in the coop. And then most of the other chickens run out because they want to be outside scratching around. But that encourage that seems to encourage the layers to come back and they'll lay their egg and then they'll get a snack and they're more likely to come back. I have found, at least in my experience with my particular chickens, that's more that that helps with that rogue layer syndrome which can be an, i think might be more prevalent when you're not when you're when you're doing the rls rogue layer yeah, syndrome yeah yeah <laughs> which can be more of a problem when you're not when you're not feeding your flock as much or you don't have the free feed because that you know they don't want to necessarily come back to the coop and mm-hmm. not be out foraging so anyways so is that all of them? I think so. That's good. It was a lot of good discussion last week. I think it's a a topic a lot of people are interested in because, you know, chickens are one of those things that pretty much anyone can have. Even people in the city, even in your uh, little uh, subdivision, you can sneak a couple of chickens in the backyard if you, mm-hmm. if you try. So I think, you know, a lot of good discussion was generated by last week. Um, but that brings us... Tonight, to the topic, which is guilty pleasures. <laughs> is that less creepy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, people are going to think ill of me. Um, we wanted to talk about guilty pleasures, and maybe not in the context that you might be thinking. Um, one thing that we always try to do, or I always try to mention whenever we... Um, do the podcast is that we are not, uh, I don't know how I want to say this. We're, we're not militant about the things that we talk about. Mm-mm. Um, we are not, you know, if you, if you don't live simply or if you don't feed your chickens, you know, grain that's been fermented for five days, then, Oh, you're a terrible person. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's not the way we are. Um, Sometimes we might sound that way because we some of the things that we believe in, we believe very strongly in. Um, and we can get, you know, very uh, passionate about some of the things that we believe in. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a 100% or nothing situation. And I think that that happens a lot nowadays. Um, especially when it comes to things like politics and religion and, yeah. and those types of things. Um, when people are very passionate about something, they just blindly believe whatever they're told to believe. Um, and there's no, uh, there's no balance there. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, give and take. There's no thought that goes into it a lot of times. Um, it's just, you know, taking one person's, uh, opinion or something that they, you know, they're, they're the authoritarian figure. And so they tell you something and then you believe it and away you go. Um, and anybody else that does anything else is completely wrong. Um, you can always find somebody to, to back you up in your beliefs. Mm -hmm. I do this. I find myself doing this a lot of times where, uh, I'll start to think one direction about something and then i start to seek out sources of information that say 
what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I believe that the zombie apocalypse is going to happen, then I'll start to, you know, seek out podcasts and blogs that talk about the zombie apocalypse and how it's going to happen and how we need to prepare for it and, you know, setting up the zombie response team for the zombie apocalypse. You know, they, but it's like that with anything. Um, again, you know, politics. And that's true. I mean, I find that interesting. And I think Facebook is a really good way to kind of watch this. And I notice when one of my friends, so my friends, most of my friends, the majority of my friends are either Republican or the Democrats, because that's kind of the way our country is. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I have a few kind of nonpartisan, you know, people in there that are just kind of slash libertarian slash, you know, they, they run the, they're all different things, you know? Um, and I know it's really interesting because I'll see one of my friends on either side, you know, it doesn't really matter. It, it's both. It happens. We'll post this article. And I know that every single one of my other friends who's kind of hardcore, whatever that political party is also going to be sharing that exact same article over the next day or two. Yeah. And it's really interesting to watch how that happens. And that happens with the Republican friends that have, and that happens with some of my libertarian friends too. I mean, some of those people are kind of the same but um i think that's really interesting how that is because they're all kind of reading the same news sources and Mm -hmm. so they're all seeing the same information and all of it kind of it's you know it always just kind of backs up what you always believe and i think that doing that with almost anything is dangerous because it can become a complete obsession and it can take over your life Mm -hmm. whether that be you know politics or believing in you know labeling gmos or Mm -hmm. uh you know whatever it might be right It, it just becomes this this blind uh belief in this is the way and there is no other way um and i think it's even worse it seems nowadays because of all of the information we can be picky mm-hmm. and choosy about our information so we don't get a balance. And the news media doesn't help out with that. And, you know, the internet doesn't help out with that. Um, uh, you, know, you know, I read it on the internet. Well, yeah, but so what? You know, <laughs> it's probably just somebody's goofy opinion about something. Um, and even with with kind of striking a balance, and that's what the point of tonight is, is uh, striking a balance in everything that you do. Uh, But a lot of times companies and other corporations don't want you to strike a balance. They want you to um, be consumed. They want you to be obsessed with certain things, such as, you know, I mean, you look at all the advertising that's on television, Mm -hmm. that's on the internet and everywhere else, because companies want you to consume right so they want you to be just 100 percent over the top about their product or a certain thing um and it if you don't watch you can become consumed you can be consumed by consumerism is yeah. that possible um and the other problem with that then too is that everything changes constantly yeah um, there's always something new that's going to be coming out. And so therefore we're always going to need the next thing and we're always going to be looking for the next thing. And, uh, you know, 
of course, going to have to go out and buy the next thing. Right. Um, and then all of this old stuff that we have is just junk. It was funny that you showed me that picture tonight. There was a post on Facebook that uh, showed a picture from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, which is 2015, the year that Marty McFly goes to. And it says, just a reminder, this is what we'll be dressing like next year. Um yeah. I mean, everything changes and everything comes around yeah. and there's always new stuff to buy, new fashions, new styles. Um, and, you know, one of our phrases that we always make fun of or that we always use kind of in a very satirical way is I deserve it. And there, I don't know if there was a, was there a commercial campaign or something? Wasn't there something for like yogurt or something a while ago remember. that was like, oh, you deserve it. I need some me time, those types of things. Yeah. Um, those are also very dangerous things because you can justify anything by I deserve it. Yeah. You know, whatever it might be. Um, so that's, we want to talk tonight about our guilty pleasures because we don't want, first of all, we don't want you to think that we are, you know, 100% uh, hardline, crazy granola eating. Tree hugging, pig raising, <laughs> which I mean, we Feed are fermenting, but we we try to strike a balance in our life. Um, we try to have, you know, first of all, we try. I, I think we consciously try to not become obsessed with things mm-hmm. um, because we know how dangerous that can be. We know how easy it is to do, um, but it's also good to have that balance in your life. And it's good to... Right. And the problem, I think, with obsession sometimes is that we start, like, say, a new hobby. Like, you see something Mm -hmm. online. You're like, oh, I need to take up that hobby. So then you start reading about it, and you start buying books about it, and then you start buying supplies for it. And then you get on um, Pinterest and start pinning things for your hobby. But then you end up never actually doing your hobby. You just think it looks great, and you never really learn it. Right. But you spend all of this time and money and invest it in something that, and then something else else catches your fancy and then you move on to that. And it's just one of, it's like a cycle because of the way, I mean, because we're just so, there's so much out there mm-hmm. that you can, that you can see and, you know, you're exposed to so much more. And that we have access to. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, if you think about 200 years ago, they weren't exposed to quite as many things and didn't have the option to become, to be able to do all these things for one, because we really can do a lot of things if we want to. But they just never even knew about a lot of this stuff because they weren't exposed to as much stuff as we're exposed to. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have the option of moving from this to this to this to this, you know, constantly. Um, They kind of, I mean, they spent... A lot of their time living (laughs) and sustaining their lives. (laughs) Right. And didn't have a lot of time to do that. But, yeah. So we want to talk about some of our guilty pleasures. Some of the things that that we do, um, but also how we sort of keep them under control or or things that we do to try to at least uh, mitigate obsession. So... (laughs) My first one. And it just, I mean, and part of the reason you do this is it helps balance out your life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because you can get, yeah, we could probably spend all day working. And there have been moments in our lives when we have. And, you know, for people like us who are extremely driven, 
and who are super goal oriented and have, you know, definite goals and have planned out how we're going to reach them. It, it actually gets really easy to be obsessive kind of in the other regard. Um, not so much that you're obsessive about something like something tangible or doing something. I mean, you, cause you can become obsessive about perfectly good and healthy things mm-hmm. and it gets and turn a little, them into unhealthy. Exactly. Things. You know, you can work too much and you know, we sometimes we have found, definitely found ourselves in that position. And then, you know, you kind of naturally need to swing back the other way because it's unhealthy to get too far one way. So, I mean, that's one of those things that we've learned throughout our kind of careers of being self-employed mm-hmm. is that sometimes you have to sit back and make yourself watch 10 James Bond movies in one week just to kind of sit back <laughs> and not work because, yeah. you know, particularly, and you know, I think everybody has their own shortcomings and their own things that they kind of have a tendency to maybe get obsessive about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to figure those out and try to figure out a way to kind of balance those. And maybe not just for yourself. I mean, maybe more for the good of those people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's definitely can be hard on your relationships if you're completely obsessed about something and right. completely ignoring those people around you. And I think it's possible too, because the first one I'll mention of mine is TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's possible to be passively obsessed with things. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, in the household I grew up in, you know, at six o'clock, the news came on. And so, and dinner was over. So you sat down and you watched TV until you went to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, if there was something that you had to do, then you had to do it. But typically... Mm, you know, five, six nights out of the week. That's the way it was. You sat down mm-hmm. and you, you watch TV. Um, and I still have that feeling sometimes. Like after six o'clock, I'm like, all right, day's over, time to sit. But I know, first of all, we don't have cable. That helps. Uh, <laughs> or we don't have satellite. That helps. Um, but one way that you can take this time, or if if TV is one of your things that... um First of all, look at what you're watching. Um, is it really, are, are you getting enjoyment out of it? Or, you know, is it is it bettering your life? And not that you have to have a reason for absolutely everything that you do, Mm-mm. but just making sure that the reasons that you are doing it are valid. It's like um, anything. It's like chocolate or beer or anything else. We had this discussion, I think it was New Year's Eve, maybe. We were talking about beer and how some people will drink 15 really bad beers yeah because to them it's all about quantity but we were talking about how it'd be better to just do one really good one you Mm -hmm. know or like chocolate i would much rather have a one small piece of really good chocolate than a whole hershey bar like yeah substandard (laughs) chocolate and i think that's the way i think that's how you find balance Mm -hmm. is to kind of figure out what you truly enjoy and really enjoy that and don't do overdo it and then feel guilty the whole time you're doing it, you know? Mm. So what's the point of watching four hours of TV? If you're just going to feel guilty at the end of the four hours, why not just watch something really great that you really love and then do something else for the other three hours. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you kind of have achieved that balance um, of doing both, you know? And I think you're probably a healthier person for that, for having taken some time and indulged in something that you like, or, I mean, it shouldn't be really be even be indulging. It's just, 
I mean, it can be because those kinds of things can spur creativity Mm -hmm. and can make you be more productive in other parts of your life or during your work or those kinds of things. So, you know, we have this. Yeah, it's maybe it's kind of like a society thing. We have this weird thing with everything, like everything is permissible, but nothing is okay. Mm -hmm. So. You know, it's it's culturally the norm to watch a lot of TV, but then everybody feels guilty about it, too, because people have also heard that it's not good for you or that you should be exercising or whatever. You know, so it's this weird it creates like this really weird psychological effect around these things so that. I don't know, it's just really kind of one of those weird things Mm -hmm. and it's hard to put into words. How, I mean, how this was created or how to get out of it. Or I think that, and I think maybe that's how you do it is you focus on what you love and do a little bit and then kind of do something else the rest of the time. Right? And I think you have to identify. I mean, that's, yeah. that's usually the first step in solving any problem is yeah. identifying the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with us, with, you know, TV, we found ourselves... Several years ago, we would watch yeah, like shows six that... Six years, seven years ago, yeah, yeah. We would watch shows that had no benefit, that had no... I mean, you'd get done with the end of it, and you'd just be like, what did I... The, the old phrase, you know, well, that's an hour I can't get back in my yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true, though, mm-hmm. that you just spent, you know, an hour of your life watching the show that is just junk. Mm-hmm. It's not entertaining. It's not funny. It's not anything. You don't... You don't there's just nothing, you know. Um, so one way that we got around this, obviously canceled our cable. But um, another way is that we, because again, with, with TV especially, you get a lot of advertising and you get a lot right. of cruft that comes along with it. Um, we do have a, an Amazon Prime account, um, which is, uh, what is that, like dollars $79, $79 a year? $79 a year. That's what, yeah, something like that. But you do get access to um, all of the Amazon Prime uh, TV shows. Excuse me, I need a drink. One of those pecans was... Lodged in your Yeah. Um, so lately we've been watching uh, different TV series on Amazon Prime. You don't have any of the commercials. Um which is a huge benefit because mm-hmm. it's a time saver and you're not being advertised to constantly. Um, and Except for the product placements in the show. Well, but yeah. We like to make fun of those and spot them. So, And then also um, with, with watching TV in that way, you get the, the whole seasons uh, right away rather than having to wait for them, you know, week on week, which we like. I mean, that's kind of a side benefit that really doesn't have anything to do with being more productive or anything else. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of a nice way to watch TV. Um, another one of mine is uh, ice cream and sweets. Um, I do have a sweet tooth, as has been discussed on the show before. And so when it comes... a couple of sweet teeth. Well, I think my whole mouth is pretty <laughs> sweet. Um, and I, I love ice cream. I just... It's it's one of my, my favorite, uh, you know, snack things if... You know, I could have ice cream every night. I would. And I've tried it before. And it worked. Um, <laughs> how long was my streak? 20... 20 some days. 27 days, I think, uh, that I had ice cream every day, sometimes twice a day. Uh, it was an experiment. It was science, folks. Just give me a break. Um, <laughs> but I know that 
especially with ice cream and with just sweets in general, that I can overdo it. Um, and I can tell when I overdo it because it starts to have effects on me. Um, I start to get headaches, you know, those types of things. And so I really try to watch how much of that I take in. You know, we don't keep ice cream in the house all the time. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while we'll make ice cream with the the ice cream maker. But even then, I know that it's going to be some work in order to uh, <laughs> to get it. So, you know, um, there's that. But even with, with sweets in general, um, I just know that, you know we shouldn't buy those things. We shouldn't keep them in the house because if they're in the house, um, they're going to get taken care of. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) so it's just, again, it's finding a balance. It's not that I deny myself, you know, ice cream or deny myself, um, something sweet every once in a while. But when I do have it, I try to also, you know, take pleasure in it and enjoy it Mm -hmm. rather than thinking about, you know, Oh, well, this is great, but geez, next time I'm going to get four scoops instead of just three. Um, because that's something I also find myself doing sometimes is uh, while I'm, I, I, we were talking about this with pizza. Whenever I'm eating pizza, I'll be eating my first slice, but I'm already thinking about the second slice, so I'm not enjoying <laughs> the first one. Um, <laughs> next thing you know, you know, you're done, you're, you're completely full and stuffed because you've eaten four slices of pizza and you didn't enjoy any of them. Um, another that thing goes then that really goes along with what we talk about all the time though, is being mindful about absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what cultivating simple is. It's not necessarily simplifying your life. It's just about being mindful about the things that you do because that does simplify your life when you're actually enjoying the process and the experiences and that kind of thing and slowing mm-hmm. down and just kind of relishing in life, mm-hmm. not missing it because you're thinking about the next thing or because you're wanting something else. Yeah. It was, it was interesting this past week and this is more in general for food, um, but not necessarily sweets. Um, I went to a, a fire meeting and they were having, it was kind of a long meeting. So they were having dinner and the dinner. I'm going to throw some air quotes around that consisted of, uh, some, some cold cuts and then, uh, you know, all the toppings and some chips and then some loaves of bread and like a kind of a, uh, like a hoagie, roll, hoagie kind of thing. roll, but you know, like a 12, 14 16 inch long hoagie roll yeah um so all of the other guys were taking 12 14 16 inch long hoagie rolls and you know cutting them in half and loading them up with meat and cheese and toppings and you know a side of chips and so on and so i just took you know the loaf out and cut a cut the end off you know four inches or whatever a normal sandwich size and uh you know, put some cheese on there because I wanted to kind of stay away from the cold cuts. Um, and, uh, and then had, you know, a few chips and the, one of the other firefighters looked over at me and said, is that all you're going to eat? It's no wonder you're so skinny. And I just thought to myself though, you know, are you really enjoying the whole loaf of bread that you're consuming? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's fine. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. But it's, it is funny that, you know, all of them, around the table that we're doing this are a bit overweight, you know, and yet they're kind of making fun of me because, you know, I eat kind of a normal portion. Yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. It's just it, but it's interesting, you mm-hmm. know, because that's kind of the expected um, behavior in the mm-hmm. firehouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like one of those cultural type things or subcultural type things. Um, so yeah, just kind of a mm-hmm. funny, funny anecdote there. Uh, another thing that uh, is a guilty pleasure of mine is uh, naps. Yeah. But who doesn't like a nap except for you? Yeah, I don't do naps. Yeah. I always feel worse. Can't sleep for one. And if I do fall asleep, then I wake up feeling way worse than I did before. So not a nap person. See, for me, about a 20-minute nap, 20, 25-minute nap, I can get up. I'm good. I'm fine. No adverse effects. And I feel a lot better. Um, so naps. If I take a nap, I'm sick. <laughs> you are. I. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever, whenever I'm like sitting down or laying on the couch, he knows it's really, really sick. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime that's not nighttime. (laughs) Another uh, one of my guilty pleasures is um, I I don't want to say video games, but um, a video game every once in a while, uh, because usually I'll pick one and play it for a while, but. Again, this is something that I really try to keep under control because I know that there are so many people that get obsessed with mm-hmm. uh, with playing video games and become so consumed by it that that's all they do, and that every waking moment is spent, you know, playing video games or or you know, insert other thing here. Mm-hmm. Now I know that this that that playing this video game it brings me absolutely no benefit you know i'm not making money from it i'm not solving world problems i'm not learning anything i'm just running around shooting things you know or or in in uh, the video game of choice right now diablo uh three three yes diablo three killing killing various undead creatures um again no benefit whatsoever but i enjoy it yeah you know it's fun um and I always try to to watch how much I play, um, to not play, uh, you know, for super long stretches. Every once in a while, I get on a roll and, you know, I do go a little bit long and then I stand up from my computer desk and my legs hurt and I'm like, wait a second, that's not good. Um, but again, try to keep it under control. Um, the last one I have on my list, and these are obviously not all my guilty pleasures, um, but ones that I just thought might you know, we could draw a lesson from is, is guns. I really like guns. Um, but, but one thing I try to do with, with guns is I always try to, um, or I only try to buy guns that have a use for us. So, uh, it could be for hunting, it could be for self-defense. Um, but I always try to, uh, to do things that are going to be of some benefit. Uh, there are some guys I know that they will buy a gun at the drop of a hat just because they think it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can become a crazy obsession because mm-hmm. they're not cheap. Right. Um, and especially when you start to get into, you know, the nicer guns, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can be talking about a thousand dollars a piece. So again, while I, you know, I do like them and like to go out and, you know, make loud noises and watch lead fly around. Um, I also try to, you know, keep that under control by making sure that that we have a use for them as well. So, so those are some of my guilty pleasures. Um, just so, 
you know, everybody doesn't think I am this perfect angelic being that is, you know, just wonderful. <laughs> so what are yours? I would have to say books and reading. Yep. And when I first put that down, you were like, oh, come on, books and reading. I'm so terrible. <laughs> I was like, no, but really, you can spend too much time reading rather than doing other things that you should be doing. And you can spend too much money on books. I mean, it could, like anything, even some things that are seen as good can be bad if done to excess. So, I mean, I do love books and I love to read and... My, the good thing about me is I usually can't sit still long enough for it to become an obsession or a yeah. problem. So, And one way, again, trying to, and, and one way that you keep this in check is by getting books from the library. Mm -hmm. Library. Um, because then you can, you know, take a look at the book, see if you like it before right. you buy it. So that obviously right. does away or with the... read it if I don't think I'm going to. So, you know, there are a lot of books that, I don't need to have a read again and have right. on my bookshelf. But, you know, some I get from the library because I think I probably might. And it's good to read through them. And So that's one way to, uh -huh. to help out with the financial side. And then as far as the, you know, just becoming obsessed and reading all the time, um, it, that goes back to the point, like you were saying before, with people that, you know, start to pick up a hobby and they go out and they buy all the stuff, but they never mm -hmm. actually do the hobby. Yeah. And that's the thing. What are you reading about? And are you reading about something that you want to do or you want to try? You know, are you researching for a project mm -hmm. or, you know, are you reading for, for pleasure? Um, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, fiction. Novel, whatever. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but is that all you're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, is, is it becoming unbalanced or an unhealthy right. Amount and of I it. have the opposite problem almost. I become obsessive about reading things that are too much knowledge and research. And then I find myself every now and then just needing, almost forcing myself to read um, a novel or memoirs or something like that just to kind of get off of that um, too much information. Yeah kick too much academia that I get kind of on. stuff um yeah because i definitely i'm i'm very um oh what do you want to say i forget the word i'm all about maximizing my time and so mm -hmm. i feel like sometimes reading that kind of stuff that isn't benefiting me is kind of wasting my time mm -hmm. you know but it isn't um but you can kind of get to that mindset. You mm -hmm. know, I specifically have a tendency to kind of get that way so and you can get that way about anything mm -hmm. um and that goes back to what you were saying earlier about then having guilt, mm -hmm. which then you're not enjoying the right. time that you're spending yeah. doing the thing that you enjoy doing typically. Um, and that's, that's dangerous too, mm -hmm. because you can just become a workaholic and, uh, or a whatever, a holic. Yep. So what's your next one? Coffee. I um, love a good cup of coffee. I really do. And I would drink coffee all day. But it's a good thing that Brian makes the coffee and it's not something we can make a big pot of and keep around. So we have a cup and a half or two cups of coffee a day when he makes coffee. But I do like a good cup of coffee. I can't disagree with that one because I like a good cup of coffee too. <laughs> but again, I really appreciate a good cup of coffee. But it, it goes back I, to like what you're saying right. about beer. You know, if you have Folgers and right. you're drinking a pot of it every day. 
why not have just a really one really good cup of coffee a day um yeah and i yeah and i find in i find myself sometimes i really try particularly in the morning when I have my coffee, not doing other things. Cause I, I often get up and I work in the morning. I do a few things for a few clients that I have. And that's kind of my morning routine. I get on the computer and I do those right away and make sure, you know, everything is still okay after the night, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then often while I'm doing that, you come in and hand me a cup of coffee. So I really try to be mindful about not working and not doing other things while I'm drinking my coffee so that I'm really enjoying my cup of coffee because I know it's it's one of those things I really enjoy and I want to make sure I enjoy it and I'm not just mindlessly drinking it while I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. I can drink coffee while I read a book and enjoy it, but it's hard for me to do it while I'm working. I don't like to do it while I'm working. Mm-hmm. So usually in the afternoon, I try to leave the office or stop what I'm doing to enjoy my coffee. My third one is whipped cream. (laughs) (laughs) We were just discussing this the other night. (laughs) We eat an inordinate amount of whipped whipped cream. cream. We do. We really do. And I love whipped cream. I'll put whipped cream on pretty much (laughs) any kind of beverage, I think. Um, And we seriously, probably five days a week, we're having some sort of hot beverage in the evening that has whipped cream on it. And we should be specific about that. I mean, it, I guess it's sort of obvious in a way, but it's actual, we're whipping, we're taking cream that, that we, we skim, skim off, off milk. of the raw milk. And then the skim milk gets made into kefir for the chickens. And um, we, whipped the, we whipped the cream with a little bit of maple syrup, a dash of salt and some vanilla, and then put it on hot chocolate or um, sometimes I make like a warm eggnog. It's like a nighttime tonic beverage with um, nutmeg. And I usually put some ashwagandha in it, which is, a, I don't know. Good all around That's thing. a good adaptogen herb, which well, probably go. nobody knows what that means. Not very many people. <laughs> now, see, now we sound like crazies. <laughs> but it's a good nighttime tonic to help you sleep. And it's really good um, with some whipped cream on top. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we do. Everything's good with whipped cream on top. That's right. That's right. Sometimes I make crepes for breakfast and we make whipped cream and put them on them. Yep. And then sometimes there's a little bit of whipped cream left over and I put it on my coffee in the morning. It's like <laughs> two things in one. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, Are we going to have hot chocolate tonight? Some whipped cream? Maybe. That I sounds good. I, think I don't we know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your next one? Good food. I mm. am definitely, and I don't know if this is a guilty pleasure, but I appreciate really good food, mm-hmm. and therefore, a good deal of my thought and energy goes towards thinking about producing, procuring, making, growing, raising good food, because that's something I'm super passionate about, and something that I just really, really appreciate i mean i like a good meal so i don't know that that's a guilty pleasure either i don't i don't think so but it is definitely something that you can get obsessive about Mm -hmm. i mean i think that's kind of one of those things that this list is all about so Mm -hmm. yeah so there it is our guilty pleasures hopefully that uh hopefully that brings a little balance to 
what we say on the show and what we do. I mean, we're not, I guess we wanted to do this, one of the goals, and I, I sort of said this at the top, but one of the goals in, in sharing these things and sharing our thoughts on them is just to say that we're not complete, you know. We have not arrived. Well. And I don't think anyone has. Life th- is all about a process, and I think yeah. you should constantly be reevaluating your goals and the things that you do and um, so that you don't get stuck in a rut. You never really arrive at your destination. Mm-hmm. I think when you have, you've lost, you know. Or you're just deluding yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> it really is all about process, and life is really a continual state of change. Mm-hmm. Really, it is. I mean, it should be, because otherwise you're stuck in a rut, and um, you're probably really annoying everybody around you. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I think that we, because we talk about specific topics on here and often they're, they're pretty narrow and a lot of them we've done a lot of research in, or we have a lot of experience in, you know, so we're always talking about topics that we know a lot about and things that we've kind of mastered, um, or at least have some experience in that Mm -hmm. it can seem like maybe we have it all together. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know that enjoying (laughs) these things means you, that's the thing. It doesn't mean that you don't have it all together, but I think a lot of times people think that these things equate not having it all together. So it's one of those like, if you have that, which goes back to the beginning of the conversation. And that's why I, that's why I started out that way. Yeah. That, that these things might be, you know, and some of the comments that we get when you post about these things on the blog, like about playing video games. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Like one lady was like, I can't believe you waste your money on that. Oh, that's terrible. Or yeah. your, your time. That's just awful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? Whatever. Um, because, yeah. So what? It's fun. You know. I and, should put cats. That's and, one of my guilty pleasures. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one. Big D's back on his post looking for mice. Just hoping for another mouse to come up. <laughs> I think it came up where the chimney meets the floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we. it's not that we don't have it all together. It's that we really try to, we try to strike a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can become, you can get carried away with anything. Yeah. Um, and we just, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, like we're sharing things so that you don't think that we're you know and we're awesome and we're out like whispering to our chickens and (laughs) i mean i don't whisper to the chickens no i talk to them sometimes when i'm up in the coop but i don't know it's just a it's just funny so uh books of the week this week um you have uh, a couple that don't really have to do with the topic but how do you find a book on guilty pleasures besides maybe james bond um before well, you... this one book kind of goes with the topic, and we've talked about this one before, and this is called Saved, How I Quit Worrying About Money and Became the Richest Guy in the World. And I think that in, in this book, Ben Hewitt really talks about what we're talking about today, about striking that balance, because he talks in this book a lot. I mean, it, it's a lot about his relationship with this guy who is uh, very hardcore and has kind of stepped out of the... Um, monetary culture like mm-hmm. the money so the guy lives on barely nothing I think he makes I don't know like $6,000 a year or something he doesn't own a car he rides a bicycle he built his own little house he has no running water in his house you know and the guy's perfectly content like this and Ben talks about in the book you know as he hung out with him and kind of was evaluating his life he had these problems with feeling guilty because he really appreciated having 
running water and, right. and that kind of stuff, you know. And he said, and then I feel really guilty sometimes because I think, you know, maybe I should be a minimalist or, you know, maybe I should do that. And, you know, this book is a lot about kind of finding that balance, um, particularly for him um, and learning to be content with who he who he is, what he has, that kind of thing. Um, so, th I mean, I think this book is very fitting for this topic, which is why I pulled it out. Um, and then I also pulled out Raising the Homestead Hog because I think it's fitting since we went and looked at pigs today. Mm -hmm. And I recommended this book a couple times. Um, this is a phenomenal book. If you're thinking about raising pigs or think you would might like to raise pigs in the future, this is a phenomenal book because this really kind of makes it attainable. It's kind of what I was talking about Gene Lodgeson's practical skills last week. You know, a lot of the stuff that you read on animal um, husbandry these days is very complex and it makes it seem like it's really hard. Um, and I love this book in particular because it's it's like Gene's books. It's very down to earth and he talks about how, you know, pigs, pigs and humans have been together for a long time and pigs have always been super valuable to humans because of their ability to adapt and to eat pretty much and to thrive in a lot of different uh, circumstances and um, a lot of different areas and eating a wide variety of things. Um, so th this book is really phenomenal. If you're thinking about it, maybe on the fence, maybe thinking it might be a little too complex. This book is a phenomenal resource and it's also a really good resource if you're thinking about having a pig and you don't necessarily want to go with the traditional feed pig kibble to it. He gives a lot of really great options as far as feeding in here. Um, highly recommend this book. It's out of print. Um, you can... I got my copy for a couple bucks. I don't know what it's going for now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, those used books on Amazon tend to you know, the prices seem to go up and down. So yeah. if you want to get a copy, get it from the library. A lot of libraries have it too. I got it from the library and I really liked it. So I bought a copy. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. A fantastic book. Definitely something to get if you're ever thinking about raising pigs because it is a great, great book. And if... Uh, oh, if, and then I have one more. I oh. didn't talk about my last one, right? Go ahead. No, Small Scale Grain Raising by Gene Lodgson. And mm. that's something I'm really interested in um, as, I read, as I read more and think more about producing food for all the animals that we support here, uh, particularly the chickens. I've been reading here and there for the past couple of years about chickens and feeding chickens and things that chickens eat. Um, and so Brian got me this book. And just this week I was reading up on... Uh, raising sorghum for chickens but then you know in this area of the country sorghum doesn't necessarily do as well because it likes a little more heat so i was reading a lot on millet which is a really good grain particularly for where birds are concerned um this week so i was reading up on growing millet this week so maybe i'll put in a little a little stand of proso millet as a test run this this summer, I grew amaranth a couple years ago, but it has a tendency to uh, cross-pollinate with pigweed. Mm -hmm. or, um, and it has the tiniest seeds, and they can become weedy if you don't get them pulled up right away. So it's kind of one of those things I really never want to grow in the future. <laughs> FYI, one of my friends said, oh, we just had amaranth cereal for breakfast. I think I'm going to grow it in the garden. <laughs> I said, FYI, <laughs> make sure you're really careful about that. Because they have a tendency to become, it can become a noxious weed. Um, while it's easy to pull out, it's still a huge pan when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of amaranth seedlings coming up in your beets. 
Well, if you're interested in any of those books or in any book at all or anything that you can purchase on Amazon, uh, the best way to help out the show and to get those things is to come back over to CultivateSimple.com or to Chiotsrun.com and uh, click through to Amazon uh, using one of the links, uh, one of the books on the sidebar. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to necessarily purchase that item. Uh, You can purchase any item on Amazon once you click through that link. And that actually supports the show. Uh, A few cents gets sent our direction and nothing gets charged to you. You don't pay anything extra, Mm -hmm. uh, but it just helps out the show. So it's uh, just a great way to do that. Just bookmark that and uh, always use that link. Um, And Also, thank you so much to our monthly supporters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once again, you guys are great. We really appreciate you. And Susie's going to end up the show with the spam comment of the week. Well, I have one additional comment first. Susie's going to say one additional comment. I neglected to mention this. I had somehow I had the uh, I had it up in my section on listener listener questions and I forgot to mention it. Oh, that's right. About fermentation. I also wanted to mention I didn't talk about it last week but we talked about it in the um the podcast we did about fermentation one of the benefits one of the a a really good benefit of fermenting your livestock feed is it helps mitigate some of the toxins that are in the feed this is particularly important if you're not feeding an organic grain um if you're feeding conventional corn um in particular that has a tendency to get sprayed um, and fertilized with synthetic based fertilizers it can be a good way if you can't afford the organic feed to help mitigate some of those toxins that are in that feed so and even if you are feeding organic sometimes greens can have um mold spores and those kinds of things that can particularly they're they're particularly hard on birds so it's an also another good way to help alleviate any of those issues that might come from that kind of thing so there you go yeah. and, and then now we have the spam comment of the week the spam comment of the week impressive conquer i'm going to newbie while doing so because you modify your website how to sign up for a blog website the bank account reduced the problem some sort of applicable deal. I've been a bit recognizable with this current set out, sent out, presented, stunning, distinct, distinct idea. Yes. And they wonder why those don't get approved. We're going to start ending the show every week with the spam comment of the week. Because that's a good way to end it. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountainsides I'd rather see your hand I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the
see my hometown I'd rather hold my wife I'd rather never question things That's the story of my life I'd rather not be crying I'd rather just be rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the tree I'm crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees And go to Face the longing. Whoa. 